You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Ravel Media. Hey there, Laura here. A quick note before we jump in. This episode discusses themes around mental health and wellness, among other topics. And as such, some folks may find some of our discussion around depression, anxiety, global crisis, and sexual assault triggering or not suitable for younger ears. If you want to learn more about mental health resources but aren't sure if tuning into this episode is right for you at this time, that's okay. You can skip to our show notes and click through the resources we partnered with Grizel Williams, our interviewee for this episode, to provide there. For myself and our entire team, we're wishing you the best in your physical and mental health at this time, wherever you may be. Okay, let's get to the show. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by Deuter. You might know Deuter for the technical hiking, backpacking, snow sport, bike, and travel packs they've been making German-engineered since 1898 for comfort, fit, and ventilation. But they also have a long-standing commitment to craft their durable packs with sustainability in mind with a goal to be PFC-free by 2020. Don't know what PFC-free means? We didn't either. We'll learn more about it and Deuter's latest innovations to support environmental sustainability later in the episode, so stay tuned. We'll talk with Rebecca, a member of the Deuter team, about Deuter's latest technology for recycled materials that can support your daily lifestyle. Learn more at deuter.com and find the perfect bag for your next adventure online at rei.com or your local online outdoor retailer. doing the best that you can and whatever you're feeling it's okay the amount of anxiety that people are feeling it it breaks my heart but I also want to normalize that like I'm sorry that you're feeling so anxious but it's okay that you feel so anxious because there's a pandemic and to not like guilt yourself because I feel like that's what happens right we start feeling anxious and we're like oh why do I feel this way I'm Laura Borshevsky and you're listening to Women on the Road a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived them firsthand. Mental health is something we've talked about before on the show, but never before has it felt more important to really dive in. That's why this week, we took some time to focus on what challenges, resources, and tips this community has and needs. Whether you're a full-time traveler and your shelter is a car or a tent, or you have a more stationary place to stay and you're feeling stagnant, The reality is that this forced but necessary stillness is a challenge for us all, on top of the anxiety that can be triggered during crisis. But it's a good thing for us that insightful, compassionate folks like Grizel Williams are a part of our community. Grizel lives on the road and is a writer with a background in mental health counseling. After years in the field, she now shares resources online for everything from long distance backpacking to managing anxiety and more. Griselle and I had our first interview a few weeks ago, but wanted to do a catch-up on mental health specifically, so you'll first catch us in a mini-conversation about how things have changed since our last interview, where mental health was also a large topic in our conversation. We also thought it was worth underlining that Griselle does live in her van full-time with her partner Eric and their dog Rue. In a Ford Transit high-roof diesel, they converted themselves into a beautiful living space. And she's been practicing shelter-in-place by staying in one location unless she and Eric need to go to the grocery store for supplies. In this catch-up, it felt important to revisit what mental health considerations Grizel's thinking about now, as well as what resources or practices we can all look to during this especially challenging time. For this portion of the episode we're playing first, I called Grizel to her phone for a more loose interview, so you'll hear that the audio quality is different from the remainder of our episode. 
Just thought I'd shine a little light on that. So on a personal note, I feel like I'm doing okay. Maybe that's my privilege of having a van and being able to be outside more than a lot of people because we keep our doors open because we're completely isolated. So I feel like I have that vitamin D. And then I'm still seeing my therapist either weekly or biweekly. But I think what it's been like, honestly, the hardest part of this is like me being okay in the midst of a lot of people not being okay. That's been the hardest part of this is like, I want to help so many people, but also like there aren't that many resources out there and people are on a budget and people are struggling. And so I've been just like brainstorming ways that I can like help people with their own mental health, whether that is like getting people to see a therapist. And I'm just, I'm constantly processing that. I can just see just people wanting to get outside, but then like wanting to follow, you know, boundaries there and stuff like that. So I feel okay. I feel like I'm doing good more than most. And I'm, I feel really fortunate and thankful for what we have right now. And I can say that for today. <laughs> I really appreciate that you put that qualifier on the end of it right it was like for today like this is where we're at and this is where I'm at because I think that's like the healthiest thing we can do on any given day right and especially in a time like this it's like a full-out crisis yeah it's like where are we today where am I in this moment and it's also okay just to be okay or fine or not okay or not fine but just recognizing where that is in that moment is really healthy you know like I've never been one to give advice but this season feels like I want to more than most and not because I think I have like a lot of knowledge about even like what's happening for COVID-19 like I'm just thinking about people's mental health like constantly like people are constantly reading the news on their phones all of the time right now and it's just I mean before the crisis happened that was super unhealthy but during a crisis it's even more unhealthy and I just desperately want people to be more present with like if they have like a quarantine group like really take in these moments or if you have the privilege of timing and zooming like take advantage of those small precious moments and not get ahead of ourselves and there's of course a balance of like being aware of what's happening you know in our world but then also to, to really practice disconnecting and I don't know about you but I get super drained from like even like 30 minutes a day on social media and reading the news like it's just like one thing after another after another and like that can cause what's called catastrophizing and like people are catastrophizing now more than ever that's why the toilet paper is gone that's why so many things are gone and when we're present and we're mindful and we become like making a gratefulness list and stuff like that it really can soothe a lot of the not to take it away because anxiety is such a natural reaction and natural response, but to also minimize it and like, am I worrying about things that I'm actually not necessarily worried about, but I feel like I have to worry about it because the world is telling me to worry about it or, you know, stuff like that. I, I just, I'm constantly processing these ideas. <laughs> Well, and I appreciate that you brought up the catastrophizing concept because I heard about it first from you, but now I've been hearing more people talking about it because we are seeing it, you know, on so many levels, like globally, all the way down to like local communities and, and families and individuals. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts, too, as like someone who does travel full time on the road. 
what has that been like? You know, there are definitely some privileges of like being able to like feel fresh air and stuff more than other folks who might live in like an apartment complex or something like that. Although there's inherent privileges to having like an address at this point too and like a permanent place to stay. But yeah, what are your just general thoughts when it comes to those who are still on the road full time because that's where they need to be and that's where they live? So I wrote about this two days ago, but I'm planning on really just sitting aside time for myself to really process the amount of shame I feel. That's been probably the most interesting feeling I have felt while being on the road and living on the road through this pandemic. Even though we are stationary, we're not moving anywhere except to get resources in bigger towns. But I think it's been hard for me to see so many people on social media be inside and knowing that I get to live outside. So I feel guilty for sharing that. And that's just being completely transparent. Like I feel guilty for like, wow, I, I at least I get sunshine or at least I can walk through very easily. And um, I think about, think about that a lot. I think about on the flip side, not having an address and not being able to Amazon anything right now. It's been kind of stressful. But again, it's just I feel like the pros have kind of outweighed the cons. I've been cyberbullied more now than I ever have, which has been a really interesting concept for me. Like, just because I am outside and, like, people are like, wow, you shouldn't be outside during this pandemic. You should be staying with friends or telling me how I should be handling this. And I'm like... You have literally no idea what's going on or anything about me. And that's been a hard thing. There's just so much. (laughs) It's interesting to hear your thoughts. And I I read your post from the other day and, and we shared it on Women on the Road because we've really been trying to hit as many angles of this as possible because there are a variety of reasons why people are still living in their vans or living in a tent and A lot of people don't think about the fact that people who choose to live on the road are still choosing to be displaced and it comes with privileges and it also comes with a lot of risk. And this is one of those moments where it feels less safe and more risky than any other time probably that someone would choose to be on the road, at least in recent history in the States. And so... We've been trying to do our best to say, hey, yeah, we don't know why, you know, everyone is on the road, but everyone who's still out on the road probably has a good reason to be. And the best thing we can do is support people in that. Yeah, I guess I would love to share like kind of why we decided not to go across the country. So Eric and I have been in this area where we decided to hang out for months now. So like that was a big reason why we wanted to come back here is because we knew this area, we've invested in this community and we knew how to not to socially distance ourselves right now. So we had the option to stay somewhere in Denver, but because of our living situation, our dog, it just felt like we would actually be doing so much more damage living in a city and we would just be a lot in areas that would be a lot more contaminated if we were in a city because we would be living in a friend that we don't really even know that well their space and with two other roommates who are working in the restaurant industry and that just seems super dangerous for us like putting ourselves in that and we don't know that lifestyle very well we've been living in our van for over two years now and that would be a very hard adjustment for us to go from 
living out in the country to living in a city full time with people that we don't even know. So that was our first option. Our second option was to go across the country to the East Coast, like as east as a camera. Our families live in Florida. And that was like a lot of contamination areas as well because you have to drive across the country. And so, you know, at first, like we thought about escaping to the desert, but every single day something happens and something changes. And to, to make dramatic moves just seemed like it was doing more harm than it was good. And so, again, like the guilt of like, am I doing the right thing? Like I, I tell Eric almost every day, like I am so scared of doing the wrong thing. Like I just don't want to hurt anybody and I just want people to be safe and I don't want to cause anything. And He's like, well, where do you feel the state? Like, where the safest? I was like, in the woods, where we we we've, we've been for the last few months, and so we came back up here, and um, ever since we've been doing it now for a week and a half now, we've been at this area, and we're purposely not telling people where we are, just because I don't want it to overpopulate. But we've felt as safe as we can feel for the time being. But I think that's the thing is like, part of living on the road is you have to be open to change constantly and this was something before COVID-19 like this is something that we've always remained honest is like okay if things change and like we're not being safe and we're not being smart and we're not being mindful then we have to figure out another solution and so that's kind of how we've been handling it thus far. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of folks are afraid of being judged and talking about all this too. Like there's so many heavy topics we've touched on in just a few minutes, you know? So I guess I'm like wondering, like, I think a lot of people are feeling that heaviness and a lot of different types of burdens on them. Like no matter your situation, everyone's feeling heaviness and burdens. So given where we're at now, you know, we, we talked a lot about mental health on the show and I think we wrapped up this episode that we're going to air with some advice, but just speaking to where people are at right now, like what words would you offer folks who are listening to this during this time of a pandemic? You're doing the best that you can. And as for, for the people that are doing the best that they can, right. For the people that really are trying and they're, they're, they're trying to stay informed, like to be kind to yourself, to like whatever you're feeling, it's, it's, it's okay. And, the amount of anxiety that people are feeling it it breaks my heart but i also want to normalize that like i'm sorry that you're feeling so anxious but it's okay that you feel so anxious because there's a pandemic and to not like guilt yourself because i feel like that's what happens right we start feeling anxious and we're like oh why do i feel this way i need to not feel this way and i don't want to feel this way and we just start reading the news more and we just like instead of like just taking care of like hey it's okay that i'm feeling this way what can i do to like not even necessarily take away my anxiety, but just to soothe myself, to just to self-care. And so I, I created this like list of different things that I felt like would help people during anxious times. And it's so simple, but like practicing these things really does help. Meditation, like it doesn't have to be this like yogi meditation hour long, but just taking literally a minute to just take deep breath be mindful like what are you feeling in your body and just closing your eyes and just feeling that sensation because just practicing breathing right focuses us it centers us it brings us back to our reality which is thank god that i can breathe in this very moment right and just practicing those breathing techniques and then there's taking time away from 
phone? Like, how much time are you spending on your phone realistically? I know iPhones, at least, they show exactly how much time you are on each app. Like, on Instagram, are you on there for how many hours? And what are you doing with your time? Like, or the news or whatever it is, like, replacing that time with coloring as I just bought a coloring kit, so I, I'm excited about that. But just, like, that's a, that's another exercise to be present and to be mindful. Um, if you have a garden, watering your plants and stuff like that. But other, like, different types of meditative present actions are so, so important right now so that we don't get ahead of ourselves and continue the anxiety spiral because that's exactly what it is. It's just a spiral, and it keeps on going, and then you're in this hole, and it can lead to panic disorders. It can lead to some sort of dysmorphia, it can lead to so many other things if we don't just take care of ourselves right now. So, yeah, I'm obviously really passionate about it. Once again, <laughs> please take care of yourself, people. Sit tight. We'll be back to hear more from Grizel after this. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by Deuter. You might know Deuter for the technical hiking, backpacking, snow sport, bike, and travel packs they've been making German-engineered since 1898 for comfort, fit, and ventilation. But they also have a long-standing commitment to craft their durable packs with sustainability in mind. We're back with Rebecca, a member of the Deuter team, to talk about their new line of packs that are PFC-free and what exactly that means. A few years ago, we set a goal for ourselves to become PFC-free by 2020. So we're PFC-free as of 2020, which is right now. We also have some really cool product launches coming up, including one that's a day pack, and it's made from fabric that utilizes proteins in plastic water bottles. PFCs are perfluorinated and polyfluorinated compounds, and some of those compounds are really thought to be harmful for our health and for the environment as a whole. Because once they're released, they disperse widely and take several hundred years to degrade. And even though most people probably don't know what PFCs are, they're found in a lot of everyday items that need to be water, grease, or dirt repellent, uh, which is really important in the outdoor industry and in the products that we love, like backpacks. Learn more at doiter.com and find the perfect bag for your next adventure online at rei.com or your local online outdoor retailer. As we mentioned at the start of this episode, not only is Grizel a full-time camper dweller, but she's also an accomplished thru-hiker, having hiked both the PCT and the AT. And she started off our original interview by talking about how long-distance hiking and living on the road have some common parallels especially when it comes to strange things you might encounter and how you need to respond to them, both externally and from within. I am so emotional and a lot of it is the way I brought up and it's like I am constantly putting myself in places where I have to learn resiliency and that's so hard for me because I just like I move with the wind like all of the time. I'm just constantly being just tethered back and forth and I'm like this is an emotional roller coaster and I feel like this lifestyle and also just even like I, I feel like I'm going back and forth between through hiking and living on the road which are super similar and they're both just so challenging for me to just stick up for myself and feel secure and in, in my life choices and also you're confronted with yourself constantly because I feel like I, especially me I am emotional and I am super sensitive and sometimes I let my emotions take over and I can't do that all the time or I'm really, I'll be put in an unsafe place, especially with through hiking. There was times 
in the high Sierra where it was freezing and like it was raining and it was cold and my lips are starting to turn blue. And as much as I wanted to be emotional, I could express emotion, but that couldn't be the only thing to take over because then I'd be in a really unsafe place. And I feel like living on the road is the same way. Like, yeah, we could be emotional, but we're also stuck in the middle of nowhere right now. And we have to think this through, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's something I really appreciate from this lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, yeah, there's times where like if you get a flat tire somewhere or you get stuck in like a small sand bed or a mud pit or whatever, or yeah, <laughs> you are yeah going to run out of water and you don't know where the next place to, to go is to get water or gas or something. It's like, well, it's scary, but also like you have to keep pushing forward and doing something. And it reminds me of what you were writing about online the other day and something we've talked about before with catastrophizing, because I feel like that goes in the same vein, right? Like that that feeds all of those emotions of like everything is way 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 worse and we're going to jump to hyperbole but you're right like in those moments whether you're on the trail or on the road it's like if you're not the one to make those decisions and to push things forward and to keep momentum up towards something better then like it's gonna fall apart and it could be actually dangerous or at the very least it could be way scarier than it has to be exactly it's super hard though like to not catastrophize at least for me like as someone that like struggles with anxiety and depression, like I've had anxiety since I was a kid. Part of it is chemical and then other is just what happens when someone goes through trauma at a young age, like it's embedded into you and you tell yourself these narratives and these, these tapes of this is going to get worse. When you've had that kind of lifestyle where everything does get worse for so long, it's almost hard to stop that tape and be like, oh wait, I actually have some, some sort of control in this situation. Um, I'm not a kid anymore or whatever narrative I'm telling myself that brings that anxiety or that panic into the forefront of my mind and be like, no, 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 I'm not there right now and I can actually do something about it, which has been such a journey, <laughs> such a freaking journey and it, it feels so good to finally start seeing more progress as I like work with a the therapist, but also as I like continue to choose different lifestyles that really make me face that part of myself. In choosing those lifestyles of being a through hiker and then now living on the road, was that something that you intentionally did so that you could build up some of these skills or get space or just kind of like help yourself? Because I know a lot of people do that. You know, they turn to nature or turn towards travel so that they can find healing. Was that something that was true for you or was it a hobby that then you were like, oh, this is also really healthy for me and I can grow through this? No, it definitely was, I think, a mix of escapism and also healing, um, which I think can definitely coexist with one another. And I also think one can take over from the other. So, like, yeah, a few years ago, getting raped and in a city and not knowing just how to handle that and to feel like I don't belong anywhere, I don't feel safe from anything, and that experience just changed my life. When it happened, I sought a therapist and started just like feeling really scared um, being with people. And so escapism kind of took over in that sense. And I went and hiked the High Sierra Trail with very little planning. And when I look back in retrospect, probably not my smartest move, but I did the whole entire trail. And after like probably a month and a half after the incidents and as much as it was kind of an intentional, like, I just can't deal with things right now because everything feels like too much. 
it also was this like, oh my God, I'm so much stronger and so much smarter than I thought I was. And that the instance wasn't my fault. Like that was not my fault. Cause you know, that's like the complex part of it is like when something like that dark and that terrible happens to you, you're like, what did I do? Like what? And you start thinking about it. And then to be like, you know what? Fuck it all. I'm going to just do something for myself. And then to be able to be safe throughout that whole thing, it was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe, maybe I was strong even in that moment. It was just a really terrible thing. And so I started hiking and I started finding peace through hiking. And, um, it just became this one thing after another of like me being like, wow, I feel really good in my, in my body when I'm through hiking. And, um, so the same month, right after I got back from the trail, I bought a van because I was like that. I just, I, I want to feel like really empowered with my money and finances. And I think rent is a bit, it's just a ton of waste and I don't like spending my money like that. And I was like, I can totally survive if I just lived in a tiny van in the city of Nashville. And so I bought this van like for a thousand bucks and started living. I mean, I'm going to put in quotes. You can't see me quoting, but I'm quoting it um, because this van hardly ran. And it like maybe two or three weeks after I got it and I was living out of it in the winter in Nashville, the transmission blew out. And so it wasn't moving. So then I lived in this van that wasn't moving and my partner and I had just met like a month and a half before that. And he let me park my van in his yard. And so I just lived in a yard for, and we were doing really well. So he quickly moved in and we lived in a yard for a year. <laughs> and we built this outdoor kitchen and we just lived outside for a year and a half and just started living minimally and being really in touch with nature. And it just like felt good. And I did my first through hike and that felt really good. And then I did my next through hike and well, that one was really hard, but also really good. And here we are. Oh, and we bought this new van that we have and it's been so much better, but we, we lived, it's such an upgrade compared to what we've lived in for a year and a half of our lives. <laughs> What I love in all of that message, too, is where you started, right? You started talking about, like, escapism from trauma and something that happened where you're like, this was really tough and made me feel really scared and kind of powerless, and I wanted to go do something that was good for me. And I think that escapism in and of itself is not always the most productive answer, but it can definitely light a spark, even if it came from a really dark place. And I, I totally see that in, in your story and what happened and what you did with it. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. It feels good to like feel understood in that way. Cause it is like escapism isn't, it's not terrible. Like escapism is often really good because you get so much perspective when you're not in the middle of the chaos, right? Like when you're in it, everything just looks like spaghetti in your face. But when you take a step back, it's just a few things, you know, like it's maybe not a whole spaghetti pot, but just a few noodles. <laughs> Grizel's openness to talking about some of the challenging stuff that sparked escapism and ultimately growth in her life didn't come from nowhere. In fact, one of the things we spent a bit of time discussing during this chat was therapy. Oh, I love talking about therapy. <laughs> I mean... The first time I went to therapy was when I was uh, probably a senior in high school. 
And, you know, I kind of already mentioned that I had a really pretty rough upbringing, um, just with divorces and trauma and many forms of abuse, unfortunately. And so I think out of all my sisters, I was always the kid that was like, I need help. I'm like, it's just always been who I am. Like, I don't know if it's lack of attention growing up that really like triggered that, but I've always been okay with not being okay. And it, it's definitely heightened as I've gotten older and I, I feel like I understand it a little bit better now, but I feel like I knew from a young age that I needed help and that I couldn't do this alone because I just had so many mental health issues. Like it was depression, it was suicidality, it was anorexia. Like it was just one thing after another in high school. And I was like, thank God. I mean, oh, it makes me cry because I just am so in love with my best friend who is still my best friend to this day. And her name is Diane, but it was a lot of it was amazing friendships and women who have really just taken me in and families taking me in and being like, actually what you're going through and what your family's going through is not normal. Like you should seek help. And me being like, really? Okay. Like I didn't know that this wasn't normal. And so I started seeing a therapist when I was in high school and then just became so passionate about it that I ended up studying and started noticing that a lot of people think that they don't struggle with things. And I was like, surely I'm not the only person that has mental health issues. Like surely that doesn't make any sense. The world is too messy for that to be true. I went to my master's and got my master's in psychology and counseling and started working with a lot of Spanish speakers. Just growing up speaking Spanish as my first language, I really wanted to work with that population because there's just such a lack of therapists who can talk to the Spanish population. And then after the incident happened a few years back, I just always kept going back and I just, I think I'm just so comfortable with the fact that I'm not always okay and that like, if I could have chosen a different road and not have depression, I would, but that's just not the cards that were given to me. Like, I wish that I didn't have anxiety, of course, but you know what? I have it and I've had it my whole life and I'm okay with it and I have to deal with it or it's gonna affect the people around me or it's gonna affect myself. So then when we started living on the road, when I was thinking about how I really needed to see a therapist, I'm like, surely there's a therapist that can work remotely. Surely, surely. Technology is just too good. And so I just reached out and found BetterHelp and um, found a therapist and again, just started going to see one maybe a month and a half ago. And I love my therapist. I love bettering myself and I love feeling like it's going to be okay. And so that's my therapy journey, I guess, for now. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for sharing that because it one thing that like really resonated with me when you were speaking about it was just that realization where someone else from the outside who cares about you is like, hey, this actually isn't normal and it's not something that everybody goes through and you might benefit from having someone else to talk to about it who's trained to do that. And humans are so resilient and adaptive that we go through so much trauma and just absorb it or hide it or you know anything like we cope with it in whatever way possible because humans are really resilient creatures but it doesn't mean that it's for our well-being to be able to do all those things like it's also good to process them and so I'm glad that you ended up finding some remote options for therapy and I, I've also used better help and I think that it's really amazing that we can access therapy and counseling services while you're traveling or like my schedule I you know I live in a house a lot of the times now but I also 
do road travel and I don't always know my schedule. And it's nice to know that like my therapy and my like health isn't going to be interrupted because I might be away when I wasn't expecting to be away. So if you're in the middle of doing counseling, it's good to be able to depend on that and that you don't have like an excuse or an out because I feel like it's also easy to be like, I don't want to do that work right now. I'm going to be traveling. (laughs) Totally. It's so cool that you are so like also part of the conversation about normalizing mental health and stuff. Like when I was a therapist, people like, I bet you're really good at advice. I was like, hell no. I'm the worst advice giver. I have no advice to give. But therapy, all it is, it's it's just opening conversation. And as a therapist, what we get to do is redirect your own train of thought to let you realize things for yourself. It is one of the coolest jobs. And I do miss it for this reason, because you get to help people realize the strength and beauty within themselves. Like, we don't do that much as therapists. We do, but we, we don't do that much. It's way more of a gift to see other people just realize their own potential and and of course there's a more severe mental health issue so I'm not talking about like even bipolar or psychosis there's other things like you have to kind of get into depth but when it comes to some depression and some like forms of anxiety that a lot of people have that don't really talk about it I'm like just talk to somebody about it. it it really could help and it may even take just a couple sessions to really just open your eyes to what's going on with yourself I agree with that so much. I actually was surprised because I hadn't gone to a therapist before. I had done some courses in mental health counseling. I didn't pursue it professionally like you did, but I, in my mind, had always thought about it like, okay, you like bring a client in and you take care of them for like weeks and weeks and you're, you know, there with them as a, as a support professionally. And then there's the exiting plan and all this. And that is so true for some therapy. And there are some folks who benefit from being in therapy for large chapters of their life at a time or for years and years and that's totally great if that's what you need and that's what works but there are times where like I just did some therapy at the end of this last year just during a time where yeah I was feeling more anxious things were a little bit stressful and a lot of things have changed for me as I've gotten off the road and so it was good to talk to somebody and it only took me a couple sessions and by the end of our session that in my mind I was like I think this is going to be our wrap-up session and I felt kind of hesitant to tell my therapist I was like so I think that like right now, like I'm actually pretty good. Like this has been really effective. And she was like, you know, sometimes honestly, it only takes one or two sessions and someone just really needs to get something out there to someone that they don't know who they know's job is to listen to them with a trained ear. It's so important. Exactly. And I, again, not to like dismiss like more severe mental health that I'm also have had in my life, but even like through the, this transition now, like my life is very good. Like I am okay and I'm safe. And I mean, I still have like, you know, my anxiety and panic attacks every now and then, but like even still I'm like, okay, but I'm doing okay. Like I don't need to go like twice a week, like some seasons of my life that I need to. And yeah, just to normalize, just talking to someone. So I'm glad that you see that and also appreciate those seasons as well. Sit tight. We'll be back to hear more from Grizel after this. Here's the truth. Mental health can be difficult to manage, whether you're on the road or currently find yourself needing to isolate in one place. Fortunately, no matter where you are right now, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. 
Thanks to their online interface, you can connect with your professional counselor by scheduling secure video and phone sessions in a safe and private online environment, meaning that you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can even chat and text with them too. I tried BetterHelp this winter to work through the stress and anxiety associated with moving to a new state, owning a business, and taking my mobile lifestyle off the road and into a house. This was all a great fit for BetterHelp. After signing up, I was connected with a licensed professional counselor and was communicating with them in less than 24 hours to chat about my struggles and goals for therapy in a confidential online setting. BetterHelp has over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in topics like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, grief, and self-esteem. And you can customize your needs to get the best therapist fit for you. Getting started with counseling can feel scary, but it's really something that can help. And with BetterHelp, which takes affordability into consideration, you can get started today, even if you don't have an insurance plan that covers mental health services. Women on the Road listeners get 10% off their first month with discount code ROAD. To get started, go to betterhelp.com road. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love so you can start feeling better inside out. Visit betterhelp.com road and use promo code ROAD, R-O-A-D, for 10% off. We're back with Grizel. And while mental health was a huge focus of our conversation, another major aspect of Grizel's life obviously includes living full-time in her camper van. And as both a thru-hiker and a van dweller, she spends a lot of time thinking about sustainability and keeping things minimal when it comes to waste. Also worth noting in this portion of the conversation is that Grizel and I chat a bit about her travels as well as an upcoming thru-hiking trip. As we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Grizel is very committed to not taking part in non-essential travel at this time and is abiding by shelter in place due to the pandemic. But our conversation about sustainability on the road and in the outdoors is something we didn't want you to miss out on. It's sure to come in handy for a time when we can all get back out there again. We just really wanted not so much like an adventure mobile because I walk a lot and to get out into the backcountry, there's something kind of organic about just walking out there with the fam. But this was more of just like we, we really wanted this to, see, to be a home and to find like a rhythm within this space, like cooking is a rhythm and putting things away is a rhythm. And we've really been able to just be in this space and really be mindful of the environment, which has been really, really cool and exciting for both of us. We cook so much more than we ever, ever did. We are, everything goes into like, we have jar systems and we don't use as much plastic as we used to because everything is always with us all the time and that's like a whole we have a whole entire kitchen we have like we have like a a waste system we have everything right here and it just makes you a lot everything is so convenient like to get a plastic bag from the grocery store is just like I'm not gonna do that if I can literally walk my groceries to the fridge you know what I mean Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to just walk my whole cart out after we would purchase groceries and I just hold the receipt, walk the entire full cart of groceries out and then just start dumping them into the van. (laughs) And that felt so good. It feels so good. I like those moments mean so much to me. And just, yeah, being able to be mindful of that stuff. It just I feel spoiled. I truly feel spoiled. (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, it is a luxury to not 
have to use certain things. And I know sustainability is something you've been thinking about a lot as both a through hiker and someone living on the road. But there are low hanging fruit items that as individuals, yes, we can all cut down on our single use plastic consumption, like plastic bags, all of that. And then there are things that like systemically it's harder things aren't always as accessible or honestly they're just not really possible yet for folks to do the things that they are normally doing and using less and having like significantly less of a footprint and then there are things that are in my opinion way outside of our you know single area of control as humans that's just like a larger system like corporations and things like that that you know we all need to work together on but that's kind of a you know a totally different topic but when it comes to the low-hanging fruit things yeah like some of those are really accessible and living in a van can reduce your footprint in some ways even though in other ways it might not I totally agree and I think that's been like the challenge is the balance of it and because we have so many conveniencies to give myself some grace when we we do drive a little bit longer than we wanted to and whatever that is you know we're humans and there's so many other things going on it's like impossible to be perfect and it's hard it's frustrating because people have something to say about everything and it's like it doesn't ever feel good enough sometimes and eric and i both have to be like no like think about like how much we've cut on plastic and even just like drinking water like we have our water bottles constantly at hand because guess what everything is constantly at hand and coffee and cups and just all those little things we have to kind of like be like okay no we're doing the best that we can we're super open to learn and grow but we're doing the best that we can at this moment when you mentioned carbon footprint I don't know if you've been doing some research on it, but I know you've been doing thinking on it. And are there things that you're thinking about so that you do practice offsetting like intentionally and you're like, this is like a one for one. Like I know there are programs that people can pay to offset their footprint. Are there things like that that you're thinking about or other resources or is this something that you're like, yeah, I'm just thinking about how to minimize at this point. Eric and I have looked at those like apps to figure out how much we're actually using and that's something we're both trying to get better at is just like actually identifying our use and stuff like that but a lot of it is just mindfulness for me and not being in a rush I've noticed that when we're in a rush we tend to not think about things and so well one of the things that we are doing is we've stayed in the same area for the last couple months because we don't need to be traveling right now we don't have anywhere to go so there's just no point so staying in like a pretty small area in Colorado has been really helpful and then as far as hiking I mean I'm hiking for five months or however long it is I mean that in of itself is a huge deal when it comes to the offset but I'm trying to figure out like how to be more mindful of like just plastic in general and after watching a few plastic what's happening um and like a documentary about like where our plastic is actually going it was so heartbreaking and so I just like don't want to use plastic at all like it's so sad and so I'm trying to figure out like how to still be mindful of like what I'm carrying on my back because weight is such a big issue when you're doing 30 mile days for days at a time and using like more sustainable type of packaging so still trying to figure it out I'm also trying to figure out like how to be as plant-based as possible while through hiking and then also not turn into like a tiny rail because that's really hard and just doing little steps like that I'm trying to figure it out but there is obviously not much organization to my thoughts
Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot to think about at one time. Like all the things you just mentioned aren't small things. They're behavioral changes. It might be a monetary investment of gear or totally different systems. And then also like a different way of traveling and recreating in like a really extreme way. Like doing a through hike is for a lot of people really extreme where they're like, I wouldn't normally spend five months of my life on trail. And so, you know, having to retool what that looks like is not only another behavioral change, but just knowing whether that's going to actually work for you or not like it's very experimental when it's kind of a big investment of your time so there's a reason to like have scattered thoughts about it for sure but it's like good to be like you said mindful and thinking about it and I'm curious to know because when you mentioned to me before that there's like so much plastic involved in through hiking I didn't really think about it but can you like outline that a little bit like how much plastic is involved right now like as the system currently stands with like typical through hiking what's the plastic scene look like? It's bad, man. So it depends on each trail. Um, the AT was a little bit easier for me to not use as much plastic because there were so many towns. But a lot of times the reason why you're using so much plastic is you're sending resupply boxes. And resupply boxes are located every few hundred miles or towns, whatever, wherever towns you go in to like get your food to do the next however many hundred or a hundred to 200, 300 miles. And so when you pack that bag, a lot of times the lightest weight storage options are the plastic bags. So you see Ziploc bags absolutely everywhere. In trail towns, they sell those boxes just like that's what you buy. And I mean, I was a big part of that system. I used, it's kind of embarrassing, but like I would argue, I don't know, 500 plastic bags at least for a through hike at least like at least and that's one person you have your plastic bag for your bag of cheetos because you don't want to carry it in the normal bag you have a plastic bag for all your trail mix because the trail mix bag that it came in didn't have a ziploc on it so you're using it for that you're using it for your wallet which eventually disintegrates you're using it for all of these things and then that's not to mention the water bottles. The lightest weight water bottle is a smart water bottle and that carries the most amount. And that's what fits well with your water filter. So you go through at least 20, 30 water bottles. I mean, some people are really good about it, but then you can get sick if you don't clean out your water bottles and get Giardia like I did. And there's just so many things that can happen. So people just keep putting more plastic and more plastic. And I'm like, damn, for like, being out in the woods and caring about our earth and like enjoying the earth, I don't feel like we're really caring about it that much. And so I think that's something I'm really trying to focus on with this last trail as I do the triple crown is to figure out a way that we can do sustainable walking, but also be mindful of our pack weight. And so I'm working with a few companies to see how we can do that. And also just to educate through hikers that you don't have to do what everyone else does. You don't have to use a ton of smart water bottles and if you do maybe just cut it down to like one and then figure out another type of filter like I'm trying to figure out a way that we can actually care for the earth that we're enjoying for longer than most people even ever get to. Thanks so much to Grizel Williams for her time and honesty in this episode. For more information and resources from Grizel when it comes to mental health, road travel, sustainability, and life on the trail, you can find her on Instagram at underscore Grizel underscore, which we'll link in our show notes and tag on social media. We're also excited that she wanted to share a free mental health resource she created. So do check out those show note links for more. 
We'll see you next week. So in the meantime, consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. It's a fast, free way to support the show, and it truly does make a difference in helping other people to find us. Plus, you can do it from anywhere you're based right now. And if you're wanting to interact with more of this amazing community, make sure to find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Women on the Road and on Facebook, including our Facebook group for community questions, stories, and support, which you can find by searching for Women on the Road Podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors, Deuter and BetterHelp. Music is by Josh Woodward. Women on the Road is a production of Ravel Creative. Until next time, we're hoping you're all safe and healthy out there. <laughs>